Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. MGO Podcast 14.10. Big ups to Notre Dame. Wake up the echoes and beat up the Dabos. So uh, that was not as annoying as last year. Were they sick or something? I th- I, I kind of feel like they were. Yeah. Like Blake Corum, like he's just the sh- the shot of him after scoring the touchdown on the first drive. He looks terrible. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the hockey team at first. No, and then, well, them too, <laughs> and, then and, he, and me and Brian. And we all got it from Brian. That's what happened. No, that's not what happened. I mean, that's probably what happened to Ann Arbor, right? But, like, I mean, he just started radiating <laughs> from his home. I mean. But, I mean, Eric Portillo was out this weekend for the hockey team, so maybe there is something going on. Like, Schoonmaker didn't look a whole 100%. Quorum, I mean, they really did not use Quorum except in, like, high leverage for much of this game. Yeah. We saw a lot more Edwards. Well, they sat, like, a bunch of 50-50 players. Right. Hayes so wasn't there. There's a bunch of guys who weren't there. Like, it kind of feels yeah. like... Makari Page didn't play, and Mulling, well, okay, Mullings didn't play. But and then seems like Mullings was in actually at the end. I saw Mullings at the end there. It, it kind of does seem like there might have been something going around the team because they played not real well <laughs> in the first half. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, R- R- Rutgers hit some plays. They got what they needed uh. to keep it a game and enough to annoy Craig to where he was worrying. And then we all laughed at him. And then within five minutes of the second half, we're like, see. Oh God! The the loud Rutgers fans were like the loud Rutgers you guys, fans. Guys, you know Plural? what's going to happen, right? Plural. Yeah, yeah. They were actually. It was weird because like before the game, it was all so Michigan you fans. Yes. So I went. Were there a lot of people that were for Rutgers? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Especially at the end of the game when it was all Michigan fans and we got the go blue cheer well, going sure. on. Beat um, Ohio. We heard yeah, that. We got that. We got that going. Uh, we got a couple other ones that they probably cut. Uh, it was Ohio was one of the words. Yeah, um, yeah. So they have this horn, this uh, like word? train horn. What's the other word? Oh yeah, straight. Yeah, defenestrate Defen- Ohio. We uh, Ohio. Yeah. I, I thought I heard a train oh, coming through. Did, my God. Is, was it in the stadium? It's in the, the train? stadium, and they no, no. They just oh. play this horn, and it's like. <sighs> I'm surprised someone's got hasn't gotten sued because it's like ear splitting. <laughs> it is like un- have you been to a game at Michigan Stadium? Loud, no, but like it's cool if like the fans make that noise. Speaking uh. of unbelievably loud, <laughs> we'd like to thank Underground Printing for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor, or learn about their custom apparel business at UndergroundShirts.com. I'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Homeshare Lending, Peak Wealth Management, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Prentice 4M, where we recorded this, specifically at Venue, The Nosebleeds, which is the Scarborough's new show on UFC Fight Pass, and introducing to the podcast our longtime ticket partners, Ticket IQ. All right. So, Michigan 
turns it around, ends up 52 to 17. Super Bowl score for those keeping track. <laughs> Great. Uh, super score-agami. Hey, that's good. And this is the part where we talk about the offense. <clears throat> uh-huh. And J.J. McCarthy completed about half his passes. And Less than, unfortunately. Well, I think he's 13 and 27, yeah. So about. Correct. I'm, I'm, not, correcting. <laughs> if you, I'm not correcting you. I'm just saying that it was I mean, are we low? Uh, if you take out the drops, what do you think it's looking like? That's, I don't, that's what we're going to. I mean, like, and it's hard to classify all those as drops because, like, some of them it's like, you know, he threw it behind Bell in the end zone and that was a PBU. Right. That's right. not on Bell. No. Um, but there were a couple that, you know, could have been caught. Like, there's one where Scootmaker has it in the end zone and gets ripped out. But that's a good play by the defense. It is a good play by the defense, but, you know, by the third quarter, I'm like, someone make a play for this guy. True. It was yeah. the opposite of Devin Gardner's first game as a starter when he was just throwing it up there and Jeremy Gallon was going and getting, like, goal line fades against Minnesota. Oh, man. <clears throat> I was like, wow, we're going back here. I'm trying to figure out which game you're referring to in 2013. Yeah. But, no, it was in 2012. Yeah. Yes. Rocket so, boots. Didn't you call them rocket boots? Yeah. Yeah. So now there's like there's so there's so much rabbling about the wide receiver core on Twitter and probably everywhere else there is a Michigan. It's the community. one thing you can complain about. Well, and like I mean, we we pretty much know what we're gonna get from Ronnie Bell at this point, right? Like he he's not like secretly not Ronnie Bell. <laughs> Right. Okay. <laughs> As most of us are. <laughs> I'm not secretly not Seth Fisher either. Well, I, there's a lot of negatives you going can, on in here. I got to say add this, this about up. a lot of people, in fact. I, have, I, mean, I know what you mean. You know minus, what I mean. Minus. Yep. I think we're still in the negative. Okay. Go. And we have a pretty good idea about Cornelius Johnson, given yeah. what he did last year. I mean, he had 40 catches last year. And, and this year. Well, yeah. And, but I don't know. I, I don't you, know. You're, you're high on him. I was, and now I'm like, I don't know. And then it's like, well, how much data are we actually going on here? And it's like Michigan, we've seen other teams have some success with those fade contested balls. And I think Michigan threw their first contested fade of the year to Amorian Walker in this game. Yeah. It's just not something that they do. No, because they don't need to as much. I mean, they have other things that create offense. They know how to get guys open. Yeah. So they do that. But – in some situations, like the, it was like the third and 11 last week, like on near the goal line, or it was like third and eight. Okay. And it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do on third and goal from the eight? Well, just throw a fade to your big, tall, leapy guy. And instead, they threw a three yard pass. Correct. So, yeah. That's, I mean, that was, I mean, we didn't get into last week, but that was the conservative nature of the, of the game, meaning let's, like, make sure we score and yeah. not turn it over. So I mean, that, a that fade is not a dangerous pass. I just feel like it's a philosophical Jim Harbaugh thing. Where he does not want to put up the ball in one-on-one -on -one situations downfield. And that could easily be. I think this was a game also where he was just playing it out because he thought we're going to stomp them, and in the end, he was right again. But it's part of the conservatism, and that play actually—I don't think it's part, conservatism. I don't it think, is. It's like we're going to take what we we have. We can get guys open, so we're going to throw to the open guys. I mean, it's that their system, right? I mean, the yeah. thing is, is that like those fades, you see the worst offenses in the country run a ton of them. Because they're safe, right? You get the ball out quickly. They're safe and they're they're, and they're, they're safe to they're not get your down. quarterback wrecked. They're, they're you safe don't get and your quarterback simple. wrecked if it's intercepted. It's forty yards downfield. It's it's like a it's a thing that anybody can do. And then sometimes you get lots and lots of yards off of it, and sometimes you don't. Right. But I remember we who do we play right 
after they played SMU, and then they had a guy that just, just dunked on them. In 2018? And this year. Oh, Maryland. Maryland. So, yeah. So Maryland is coming off this game where they had a SMU receiver go off for like 200 yards on a basically just contested catch after contested catch. And this seems like a big problem for the Maryland defensive backs. We don't do that once. But does Michigan have one of those receivers? I don't know. I mean, we've seen Andre Anthony go up and catch contested right. passes before. We've seen that. But Anthony's also been about fourth in line Cornelius, to play wide receiver. Cornelius Johnson has not really done it that much. He's had a couple, but not. So, any, but, with any consistency, but is you're right. that like a Cornelius Johnson thing where it's not part of his skill set, or is this just the kind of thing that Harbaugh doesn't want to do? And in support of that theory, I just point to Nico Collins. I mean, yeah. that makes as much sense. I mean, who that's never, also different in terms of like now you're bringing Shea Patterson into it. Well, and but who like, knows? But but if there was one person in the Harbaugh era who should have just been targeted. <laughs> Essentially, whenever he was single-covered downfield, it was Nico Collins, and we never really saw that. No. And I was like, well, why isn't Shea Patterson making this throw? That's a and, different question. And it might and the, it might have been Shea Patterson, or it might have been just a philosophical Harbaugh thing. But this was the first game all year where there were a ton of contested catches, and Michigan made basically none of them. So is that a concern going forward, or is it just kind of a one-off thing where you, like, helmet dap the Rutgers defensive backs for having some nice plays. It's hard to tell. I don't know. I mean, I agree with you in style of play. I don't think that's something that Michigan really wants to do per se. I don't know that they have those, that style of receiver. I mean, like you said, maybe Cornelius Johnson is kind of. Iterate. I mean, Cornelius Johnson is six foot two and right. can can jump. And Andrew Anthony is absolutely that kind of But receiver. none of the, okay. And Ronnie Bell has done it before too. It's not like Ronnie Bell can't come down with those. It's just Ronnie Bell... There's, I think we've had now four instances in his career and three instances this year where he like almost made one of those plays. Like well, he's got the ability. So we're we're kind of verging on poor damn Ronnie Bell territory again because he has the PBU in the end zone, which should be a touchdown, but it's thrown behind. Correct. Uh, he has um, a ridiculously good catch that is out of bounds in this game. Yes, he has. Uh, he almost had that catch last week. That he was an almost had that catch, catch last huh? week. He had another catch. Uh, against Michigan State deep downfield that got punched out. Okay. Yeah. And then there were... He also, he also dropped, like, his biggest catch of the day. Well, second bait, whatever, in the post route in the second half today, or yesterday. He had the catch on the first play of the game in yeah. a corner route, which was a nice play. And then he drops, like, that skinny post. Yeah. That was just a drop, though. Yeah. I mean, that was, it was just a drop. But that... But that, that was not just a drop. Do you think it was behind him? No, I thought... I thought that was a PBU. Essentially, I thought that really. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he, he just flat. No, it? he he got it. He had a step on the guy that gets to him, and then like the guy knocks it out in the process of tackling him a bit. But like, yeah, like, that, I mean, that's, that's not a, just a that's not just a straight drop. Like he's got the ball, and then they, like there's some wrestling with it, and it comes out. Like okay, it's not it's not okay. just he didn't just drop the ball. Okay, yeah. but he also had an opportunity to make the catch, got ripped out. Same with Schoonmaker. Yeah, and like Schoons was a lot tougher, but yeah, you're right. So uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like this is one of those things that everybody's going to be like real worried about, and then it's going to be fine. Like last year, everybody was so worried about the red zone offense. Yeah, and then they go play Iowa and Ohio State, and they're ten for ten in touchdowns in those games. So 
the sometimes it's just like a yeah the two thing. column in your in UFR this year is just completely empty. <laughs> it was not going to be empty <laughs> in this one. I mean that's that's going to be the thing is there's going to be. But like until this game, there we never even yeah they didn't have them. There's like circus catches a few times, and then there's just like routines, and then now we're going to be a bunch of zero for twos and zero for fours or whatnot. Yeah, and that's uh, it's been weird. Well, that's just the kind of year it's been. Like most, get, they've not only have they been able to generally consistently get guys open, but they've also taken the easy throws a ton of times with McCarthy. Like. That's like a lot of the things that I'm looking at when I'm like trying to write down a note for each pass is like, okay, that's a good throw, but it's not a great throw because it's an easy throw. And so that's fine. I want you to do that. We want those yards in that play. That's a good play. It's just not like a man, what a throw. That'll get you to the NFL type of like crazy thing. It's just, and this is a smart decision. He makes a nice throw. It's caught. It's simple. The guy's open eight, 10, 15 yards. That's just been the most of the year. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because going into the year, like the word out of practice was that J.J. McCarthy was like fitting in crazy balls and be like, oh, my God, that's like the NFL throw, and then he'd get picked off. But he hasn't really had to. Well, no, but like th- this is the first game where he was – like the throw to Schoonmaker was yes. between two guys. Yes. He should have gone to Loveland, but the <laughs> throw the throw in the back of the end zone to Edwards too that he caught was a pretty nice throw. I thought that no, that one was too far inside. Like Ed, that was the one time where like a receiver really kind of helped him out. I thought it's a running back. Well, <laughs> well, it's not or is it? <laughs> I mean, are, is, um, is that the transition to Edwards? Or you still want to stay on? Like, no, I mean we're still talking. We still, I mean, yeah, yeah. So I kind of feel like. We've seen enough from Ronnie Bell, and I think we've seen enough from Cornelius Johnson to say that this was an anomalously bad game for those contested catches, and it's probably not a thing. Just yeah, bad luck, weird game, everybody's probably sick, whatever. And then in that context, like J.J. McCarthy, uh, probably going to come in for a pretty good score. Like he had a couple of hiccups, like he misses Andrew Anthony long by like a foot. Yeah. Um, but he was so wide open that that's pretty bad, right? I mean, he had a number of throws that weren't great either. I mean, he, even he the throw to Morris maker. that Morris catches, Morris like yeah, that's yeah. a great catch. It's not. I mean, it's a catchable throw. But I mean, he he missed Bell a couple of times. One was high, one was wide. He was wide of Schoonmaker another time. I mean, he was okay, but again, it's not like you said where you're getting all this buzz about he's just fitting the ball into these, like, needle-sized holes. He did that a fair bit. He did do it a few the, times. The pass of Schoonmaker was, the like, Schoonmaker correct. Yeah. That was that was probably his best throw of the day. One of the one of the bell shots. But he's also had a, a, a sprinkling in of balls. You're like, that's inaccurate. Yeah. So but they're not, they're, like, in the MA category. They're not INs, dread INXs. <laughs> no. The, the one that Cornelius Johnson dropped or, like, didn't turn around fast enough on, did you think he over, like, he threw it too hard or something, or... I, I like mean, the timing felt a little. It was thrown very it. hard. Yeah, but it also hits him in both hands, and he has a scholarship. Like I would like the man to catch the ball. Yeah, but he kind of turned around and like it was already in his face. Like I, I mean that's. I, I mean, felt like McNamara makes that play because like he just because the ball get there. doesn't get there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean there. That's what I mean. But immediately it was like that's a timing issue. Uh-huh. So like it's good that you're getting it out so fast that. The guy turns around and the ball's already in the air, but it's probably not good that it's already in his face, man. Right. So I, I have I have some sympathy for Cornelius Johnson there, but Jason Avon catches that. Well, <laughs> what does he not? I mean, that Jason. Well, <laughs> Calvin so, Johnson catches that. Yeah. Well, Jason Avon. Yes. Michigan. Yeah. I know. I know. 
It was just that's like the gold standard, right? Calvin Johnson for is tall enough. Michigan for hands is Jason Avant. Definitely. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Avant. Avant. It's Avant. Evant. It's Avant because right. Brandon Williams named his kid Javant after Jason Avant. Really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I didn't know that. He's a I, I did have a he's, question he's for like you. He's got a scholarship offered in Notre Dame. On the, it was the third and five, I think, right before the blocked punt, when did you think that was a misread by JJ where he gives the ball to Quorum, but the end is crashing? Oh, yeah. Because Craig and I have been arguing about this for now going on since it happened. And I said they didn't block the end. The left tackle goes straight for the linebacker. The end crashes. He gives the ball and he's stuffed. And if McNamara pull, <laughs> McCarthy pulls it, they have three on three outside and he's got room. Oh, he, and a yeah. first down. It's clearly a, a misread. A misread. Okay. Cause, like, what does McCarthy do after that play? He kind of pulls out to the side. Yeah. Well, no, but no, like after Quorum gets tackled, he's furious. Oh. Yeah. Why is he furious? Who is he furious with? Quorum for getting tackled. No, himself. You're supposed to break the tackle, Blake. He's furious at himself for missing Maybe men. Maybe he's furious at the, the Rutgers rules where the quarterback <laughs> is never allowed to keep it against Rutgers. Well, I, think, <laughs> I mean, they, this, I think that was probably the only zone in the game, right? That's kind of funny. Here's, here's my thing. If you're going to do that, if you're going to have the – you're not going to block the guy. Yeah. And there were actually two of them, but there was one where it just ended up being a split zone and like he – it had it been an arc read, it would it was wide open because the guy crashed in. If you're gonna do that, RPO because you can get that guy, you can get some guy away from you just by RPOing that linebacker out there. Mm. And those safeties were playing way off; they were playing quarters all day. I mean, uh, I mean so you can just do an RPO that's underneath not, that, and that's that's no, the play. It's like, no, if you're gonna run, you can run a zone read in a game, and it's not gonna get your quarterback death murdered. Yeah, like we we continually overestimate. Like, how bad it is for someone to get tackled. Like, it is much more dangerous to get sacked than to be an active runner and tackle as long as you're not freaking baseball sliding, which mm. we saw another guy get absolutely demolished this weekend on a baseball slide. It happens every weekend. Um, and in any case, like, yeah, that was definitely a misread. I don't think you need to make it an RPO because it was there. And he, he knew it was there. That's why. So, you know. Is it weird that they played – Walker and Morris. I mean, I know Wilson's out, but like this was clearly the like game that they're like, all right, let's get some guys out there. Oh, because yeah. like you get four, and this is yeah. your chance, and okay. yeah, and that's fair. Probably they, see some more of that next week if things go well. I, I, I would. I'm hoping, thinking they will. Yeah. <laughs> well, sorry. The look on your face is great, but, but yeah. So there's there's a this is an opportunity to get guys in the game, and then okay, that makes a lot more sense because like we were looking at four. Why is four? More? Who's thirteen? Morris? Oh, oh, I knew it right away, man. I I was so hype about that. Well, kid. congratulations, thank Mr. you, phone book. Thank you, <laughs> man. I finally get some credit for this. <laughs> are, are people not giving you credit? It's not Mr. Phone Books. That's you are that's Mr. Steve Martin. You are Mr. Phone I am Mr. Books. Phone Books. But also, like, I was so hype about that guy as a recruit. Like, I he was Morris. Hurt, Morris, and he was hurt last year, so like he couldn't. He was still coming back, and I was like, I didn't know if he was just going to redshirt all year, and like to see him out there, and then he makes like a you know quintessential Morris play. I'm like, yes, yes. You're going to hear me now. You're going to love him. So this is maybe too far, and you can shut me down on it, and that's fine. But, I mean, you love Morris. Clearly, Walker is getting on the field at times. Andrew Anthony, people have been pounding the table for. Are we kind of moving to the end of the C.J. Bell era? I mean, like, because you had C.J. as being a potential first-round pick. Well, that's clearly not going to happen. That's probably not going to happen. Bell seems to be very excited. His brother's coming. 
I mean, I does know. does he maybe want to stay? I mean, but like That's, the point is, is like you're looking at what you said. This is who they are, and not in a negative way per se. But they have guys coming behind them that are supposedly very, very good too. And at some point, it's kind of like okay. You're, you're projecting some sort of McNamara-McCarthy thing at the wide receiver core? Well, I mean, that's what happens at good schools when you recruit at a high level, yeah. is you get your two or three years, and then the next guy gets his two or three years, and then the next guy. And if you kind of are capping out at a fine level, Bell and CJ are, are nice, good wide receivers. They are not Nico Collins, I don't think. They're probably not even Donovan Peoples-Jones. I did got to give Bell more credit than that. Okay. Yeah. Well, so so that's sort of just the question I'm asking is going forward. Is that like, are we getting to the point of where we're like excited about seeing the Andrew Anthony's get more time and that sort to of me, thing? To me, that's more of an off-season question. Okay. Yeah. And that's like, fine. Yeah. I mean, you don't see Ohio State fans really that mad at like a, a one of the first round picks like put and played at Alabama for a year because you know, oh well, we've got a lot yeah, of seven coming. Yeah, like, right. It's like yeah. Zach Charbonnet's at UCLA, and I'm like, I don't care. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, so other half of the game, ground game, we saw Blake Corum bust out a couple of big runs. We saw Donovan Edwards do the same. And then there were some hiccups interspersed in there. But this is a much more aggressive defense, more on the Indiana scale. And overall, they did well, and then they got in the red zone, and it was a slog for those first two touchdowns. But... But they that, were touchdowns. That's some selling out, though, by Rutgers, right? Like, they're just going to say, hey, you're not running over us, and your your passing I, game has been only okay so far. Yeah. It, and you can – I mean, the Gardner bootleg, we talked about that 2012 Minnesota well, game. No, like, you the Gardner need, bootleg you was need, there. You don't need to do that. You, you just can do need, anything. You just need to run a down G. Yeah. Because those guys are just absolutely selling out on the dive, and virtually any other run play, like, you can run a stretch, and they'll be way up – of field and you're going to walk in the end zone. So is this a, just a little of like Harbaugh not taking Rutgers overly seriously yeah. and being like, yes. we're just going to pound you and so. eventually mean, you're going to break? Yes. And that was, that is what happened eventually. <laughs> well, like it, they didn't turn the ball over. They scored touchdowns on every one of their red zone drives until the fourth quarter. So yeah. is it bad that it took fourth down on those first couple touchdown drives to get in? Maybe a little, um, the nature of the quarterback sneak to get the second one was a little. Yeah. Well, he got extended a little bit there. Yeah. Well, he, uh, I mean, he was laying on people's bodies, so he wasn't down. Yeah. Well, right. It's just saying that, like, the bend on him was like, whoa, uh oh. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like if you keep up that kind of thing and then you sprinkle in some plays, that means that they can't just sell out on the dive. Because when you're on the goal line, you got more defense alignment because Michigan's dive on third and short the rest of the day just worked, right? It was not stoppable. Yeah, they were, they were blowing those defensive tackles off the line. So, But that's because you get you know Keegan and Oluwatimi can double someone, and that has only gone one way this whole year, right? Yeah. But once you get down to the goal line and there's six defensive linemen out there, that, that play gets much harder to consistently execute. And so – Mix in some down G, a little bit of stretch, test the edge a little bit, and that won't be something that they can absolutely sell out on. So Craig is always pounding for play action in those situations. Are you on no. that? God, no. Okay. I mean, you're at the one-yard line. 
you're the Michigan yeah. Wolverines. <laughs> yeah. You, the whole, Thanks, Brady Hoke. No, no. No, it's, it's, it's coached do. by Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> we yell, hey, we're running up the middle, and then we <laughs> no, run up the middle. And, and they're like, ha-ha, there's, there's different it? There's different ways that you can run on the goal line effectively, and they, they should take a couple of moments to figure out one or two different things. Because, like, they brought, they brought in a fullback. And then they handed it to him, and I'm like, well, that's just the same play. <laughs> but a different guy. But a different guy who gets it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> not sure about that one. I was like, what if we use a tight end I, I in wanna, the backfield? I want to point who out. Who was that, by the Bredesen. way? It was Bredesen. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was he, better than the Khalid Hill tweeted, fullback dive. There we go. It's official. He's a fullback. My preseason yeah, did, sets right after all. <laughs> I mean, didn't they hand the ball to Sean McEwen in the 2017? Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as handing it to him. Or if it <laughs> they, was, was thrust in his general blurped, direction. Blurped it around his yeah. chest. I want to point out before we leave the red zone that the red zone uh, plays other than when they had one yard to go. Because I think that's a different scenario between when you have one yard to go, that's the fourth and one scenario. Yeah. It's the other plays they had when they were in the red zone were great. And all it was was let's run down the middle. It was um, they ran duo one time. They ran, which is just blocking two guys, you know, double the, Doubling the tackles. tackles, right? They ran uh, belly, which is double the backside. And they ran. Um, one other play, but there was, there was no more arc. There was none more of the stuff that they had before. So going from like there was no problem from like first and goal at the eight. It was mm. first. It was it was so first when you got too one, close. That was the yeah. problem, right? So we're 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 working on it. But well, like, yeah, and like Alex kept yelling the whole night. He's like, "This isn't a red zone thing. This is a goal line thing. When yeah. you're line, when you're inside the three or whatever, that's not a red zone offense. That's a goal line offense, and those are two different yeah. approaches. Insert right. ISO was the other one that they did, and that worked as well. So like, well, those that was are all... that was a late touchdown from like the four, and so it's like a thing that that dive is really effective, but it's so effective that Rutgers just sold out on it, mm-hmm. and Michigan was like, no, we're gonna. We don't care. <laughs> More the Michigan Wolverines, to quote you. And that's, you know, honestly, that's fine to, like, set a tone against Rutgers, you know? Like, sure. we're going to get it in the end zone by just doing the stupid caveman thing. Fine. Uh, against Ohio State, you're going to have to. Yeah, but if there's one thing that we've known about Harbaugh yeah, against I'm, Ohio State is he's going to have a good game. Yeah, plan. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. I'm right. just saying that I wouldn't expect the same game plan. Which is probably why. You're seeing what you're seeing against Rutgers. I want to talk some Donovan Edwards. Thank you. Because Seth is very happy. Yeah. Because they're both from West Bloomfield. Well, so in the uh, UFR last week, I pointed out a couple of plays on duo. One of them is Corum, and one of them is Edwards. And Corum hesitates. And that hesitation gets a linebacker to commit to a gap. And then Corum goes in the other gap. Hmm. Good stuff. And Edward just ran straight, and Winman tackled him for two yards. So it was a difference between a two-yard run and a six-yard run. Blocking is very similar. It all comes down to what the running back is doing in the backfield. And I've been sort of publicly skeptical about Donovan Edwards as a guy who maximizes his blocking. In this game, he was fantastic. So the huge 40-yard run he had, he stops in the backfield and – Two Rutgers guys are like, uh-oh, got to go. And then he cuts inside. This is the, up, the yeah. cuts up the field. Yeah. And yeah. then there was another pin and pull that they are, they are hammering after. And I think a lot of backs just keep going outside and, and eat it. And he sees what's happening. He sees that linebacker flying upfield. 
He stops. He goes inside of him, and it's a 10-yard run. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, I don't know if he's ever going to do that. And then the week later, he's like, I'm going to do that. So, <laughs> so I think that's just a tremendous development because as we saw, I mean, when you put him outside as a wide receiver, he's a wide receiver. He's Marshall Falk. <laughs> I mean, serious. That's yeah. a great comparison. Uh-huh. And, you know, I was always a little bit concerned. I was like, all right, well, they can just put a nickel when he's out there because he's not really the best running back in the world. And if he's going to do this and then also do what he did in the passing game, I mean, that's... I mean, this is just pluses for Mike Hart, right? Because you're going from Haskins' development from 19 to 21. Corum, who we had questions about, you look at him this year and you're like, oh, <laughs> there go the questions. And then now... Edwards, you know, we won't see it fully till next year, but slowly, like you're coming along saying the little things are starting to click and they're and, starting to get fixed. And like I, I had been complaining about Donovan Edwards a little bit, but interspersed in that was like, okay, but he did do it on this play and he did do it here. So it's not like an every down thing. It's just like, how consistent can he be with this? And he made two great tough cuts in this game. And I don't think he gave back any anything that the blocking got for him here. And this is not a defense that is, you know, easy to run against because they're coming from all kinds of different angles. There's a lot of guys in the box. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just in terms of, like, difficulty and sort of like a what do I have to do as a running back environment, this is a a lot different than Iowa, right? This is a lot different than what we saw from Michigan State last week. Um, Like you said, this is a little more like Indiana. Right. So there's – I thought that was his best game um, from a running standpoint as, as a Wolverine. And probably his best game overall. I know Seth has something to add about Edwards. No, I you, you nailed it. It was like that. It was that pin and pull play where I was like, that is a play that I just don't see running backs make very often. And just on a day when you couldn't really use Quorum that much because you know when he was sick or whatever it was, and like to have Edwards coming out and have a game like that, that it was. I mean, now we we got we can say it again. We got another two great backs again. It's like here we go. He's a terrible blocker, though. Yes. <laughs> yes well, yes. one thing at a time. He's <laughs> right. Uh, we'll get there. He's he's like daintily putting his shoulder into people. It's not good. Yeah. He's uh he needs to get with that cut block stuff. Even though he's a bit bigger, but well, yeah. Let's send send the boy to Vincent Smith School. That's junior year. They had uh I mean, Mike Hart's the running back coach. I know. They had <laughs> Stokes and. Dunlap in late. It was yeah. good to see Dunlap play. I don't remember having seen him in. You no, know, and he made a good a while. He made a good run. He had a good run too. That yeah, he uh, broke a tackle and kind of ran over guy. Stokes had almost had a touchdown. That would have been nice for him. I and know. He was so mad he got up. His, and he almost got yeah, him by the near his uh, his family too. So also his his near fumble I think was more <laughs> on Davis Warren than him. Okay, because <laughs> there was there had a replay of that exchange and it was like <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was awkward. So. Warren looked all right. Moved out of the pocket well. I mean, he's a guy who has the kind of athleticism where you could have an art game with him. It's not a JJ level, well, but it's not. It's a notch above, like you know, your your McNamara Patterson kind of thing. So that's a we didn't really get to see him throw the ball much. But, well, no, you know. it was pretty late. I, I was kind of like, hey, maybe McCarthy can come out a little bit sooner, especially after that. He took a shot. Like he went, he was ran out of bounds, and instead of ducking out of bounds, that was like right before halftime. Yeah. Well, no. Okay. Yeah. Right. But what? So this isn't related to this point. But what? I we didn't bring that up, and that was something that I negged him on in my like little I don't know highlighting things that I'm doing. But um, it's just like there's no real real reason 
to take a shot there, right? Like save a yard. I mean, if you're if you're Mike Allstott, fine, go blow the guy up. But if you but go out of bounds a yard earlier and maybe like don't get your throwing shoulder wrecked. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I don't heard... think you're gonna fight anyone who disagrees with that. <laughs> I think I heard his Not even old tough guys uh, out, out there because, like, by that point, all the Rutgers fans are gone, and like the Michigan, fans, and there was just like a bunch of players' parents left there, and someone called him Spring Game. So I think that might be what? Davis Warren's nickname. Oh, oh, old Spring, <laughs> old. Sp- <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could have just been a fan yelling, but I think it was like it was the area where like it was mostly people with the jersey. And stuff uh, we should probably talk about Jeffrey Percy. Yeah. Who I noticed in no way whatsoever. And that is a good thing. Yes, sir. Uh, so I don't think he gave up a pressure all game. Uh, maybe one or two on. Uh, the stunts. only pressure seemed to come from inside. Yeah. And, and like, like stunts and blitzes and, and the, stuff. And um, I think McCarthy had a batted ball up the middle, too. That, but nothing was really hard yeah, around the edge. That was a stunt that, uh, that Olu and uh, Keegan, Keegan messed up. Yeah. And that was like the only mess up that they had. Yeah. So... You have Barnhart in at right tackle. You have uh, Percy in at Percy left. in at left tackle. You get El Hadi for the second to last drive of this game because Keegan gets Keegan, a little yeah thing. got rolled up. I think we've seen El Hadi three or four games already, so it kind of feels like they have three viable backup offensive linemen, which is a really good sign because I don't know how many of these guys are actually going to leave after this year. Yeah, I mean they, they'll they need a backup center, which was in this game, I think, Raheem Anderson. Yeah, Raheem Anderson has been the second string center whenever that line gets in. That, I think that they're getting a redshirt on Crippen as well. Is that what it is? Yeah. That would be a good idea. Because well, they got, they got that, one on... play last year. If that year. is the case, yeah. then... But this is... A, you could definitely play him in this game. He He's played earlier. I don't know how many games. I think he's been in one game this oh, year. Oh, just one? Okay. Yeah. So you could play him in this game, and like, but like, you know, if you lose all the team Next you game, probably want to save. Is he? Is he? The, is he? So he's the backup. If Olatimi just gets hurt and everyone else is fine, there's no other I think issues. Ola, is he's the guy that's he's, going to come in. He's the guy who's coming in. Okay, but I think that they're they're just preserving the red shirt right now. Maybe next game because at that point, like you can make it through the playoffs without. Uh, yeah. So Brian, you had an interesting look on your face. Who is your idea as backup center? Well, if Raheem Anderson is the guy who's playing, taking the snaps, taking the snaps, I I'd, I'd assume it would be him, but we'll see. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it all, the other option is they can always move Zinter over. You don't know. Mm. You don't know what their plan because at that point was a let's get some guys some snaps moment. Right. You don't know what the plan is if it's a let. Oh no, no, we're out Olu right now. I don't think it'll be Zinter moving on uh, over. It's yeah, usually I'm, like the, they have a dedicated person or two who's playing center. Yeah. Because it's very different than everything else. you got to snap the ball. you got to make all the line calls. It's different. That is true. Uh, anyone else have anything to get off their chest? For offense? I don't think so. All right. Let's take a break. Come back. Talk about the defense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. 
It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or, under, or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. Now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm, probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. Here's a thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248 248- Six eight two seven four four five, or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. Are you in the ticket market, Brian? No. You might be for this one. Okay. Uh, So, for some reason, some of the Big Ten title game tickets got a lot cheaper this weekend. Right after, like, Saturday afternoon. Why? 
I, I, I don't know. I, I assume someone whose team thought they were going to be in the Big Ten Championship maybe are not so sure anymore and want to offload them. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> There's no Ohio State fan in the world that's like, oh, we're going to lose to Michigan, and that's not going to happen. Uh, well, m- there might be one because I found some tickets for 136 bucks in Section 636. That's up high, but it's in the building for 136 Do you know what the get-in was for last year's Big Ten Championship game? What? I don't know. I'm asking you. No, because my wife had COVID. I couldn't leave. <laughs> I couldn't go. Well, don't get COVID like, this year, you galoot. I, well, I'm not. If I want to go to the Big Ten Championship game because I'm starting to get a little, starting okay. to get that feeling. So, yeah. Is this a situation where once the teams are set, like depending on who the teams are, there's like a like a huge like spike in demand. So if this is like we're feeling a little frisky, yes, this is like yeah. get get it now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you're gonna. I don't think. You're going to find $136 tickets uh, after this. Especially if it's like Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Because if Illinois is in the Big Ten Championship game, they're gonna, it's going to be like Ferris State in the CCHA Championship game when they had Chris Kunitz. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows what that was like. Yes! <laughs> and if it becomes Wisconsin versus Ohio State again, then at least you can offload the tickets for, at Ticket IQ, and you're not going to get hit with the crazy fees. So Exactly. So you yeah. see the price, that's the price. That's the price. It's not 50% more expensive because at the end they're like, oh, we have a convenience fee, which is the most infuriatingly named thing except for the KFC Yum Center. You know, it's it's so infuriating. I think Biden actually is running on this. It's taken long enough. <laughs> added to the slate. It's taken long <laughs> enough. We're going to do it. All right. Uh, 14.10? Yeah. All right, so we got to talk about the Michigan defense playing the Rutgers University cable subscribers. Well, that was quick. (laughs) I mean, they did basically what Michigan State did. They hit a couple of deep shots in in one-on-one coverage. And then when they weren't doing that, they were going three and out, basically. I, I wrote this down. They had seven pass plays for over five yards, two long runs that came after the game was over. There are four 10 plus pass plays. How long were those long runs? Um, seven and eight yards. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so they had four, four pass plays, went 37, 16, 48, and 28. Mm-hmm. And then their next three passes were seven, seven, and eight, and that was it. That was it. One other thing about Shy Plus Stadium is that they um, turned off the rushing yard like totals. <laughs> so like we weren't getting up to ask, trying to like get on Twitter and see if like what the what the totals were because it was probably like 123 to 3 or something like that well, when they shut it off. They it was, were they were in the negatives after a couple of sacks. Someone yeah. asked me what kind of record it was when someone has more interceptions than the other team has rushing yards and I was like, "Well, I'll ask, I'll ask Patrick." That's like yeah. a like a variation of a Rutger. Yeah. It's a canon Rutger. The 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 uh Rutger nomenclature division of uh MGO Blog Industries is thriving. <laughs> In any case, um really not a whole lot to say uh in this department. Um we saw I'm Will sure. Johnson get a start. Because mm. Green was out, we didn't see a whole lot of Mozzie Smith. Although he did play, he and had one. Like, there was nice one play. play he almost made, and then he got tackled from behind. It was like I think at that point it was like let's not, let's not call anything. But it was like, man, that would have been cool because he would have gotten a big crushing TFL and ended up being just like a five yard run that no one remembers. Well, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, uh, Benny and Graham also broke through at the same time. It was. Yeah, Graham had a very impressive play where he uh, was 
slanting outside or I don't know, he was regapping at some point. And yeah. Bashed a tackle who didn't expect him to come from that direction and then redirected for a TFL. I continue to believe that he's just going to be a monster next year. Um, <clears throat> Your boy Upshaw made a couple plays. I was like, I mean, I, I, my, I, my apologies to Taylor Upshaw because I'm always like mad when it's a passing down. I'm like, why is Taylor Upshaw? I, everyone's out always blaming <laughs> me for that one. He got, he had a nice pressure and, <laughs> and, he, had, he, and he had a sack. That's well, at least two yeah. nice. Well, really, well he also stuff. forced a, a sack that uh, Mike Morris picked up. Yeah. Yeah. That was the pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's coming on a little bit because this was not an offensive line that was Indiana level bad, and Michigan was getting a fair amount of pressure on Wimsat. Did Harrell play in this game? No, was he, no, really he was one of the guys that sat. Yeah, okay, sat. so I think maybe that maybe Upshaw got a little bit more play because of that. Probably, yeah. But McGregor wasn't really getting to the get to anywhere, and Rutgers, he, didn't, he didn't play a ton, did he? Yeah, no, no, McGregor had kind of fallen behind Oki and. Uh, more in terms of snaps. Did, did we it? notice more? I, I didn't have a more, note for him. I didn't did have a he? note, but he got out there mostly kind of late. Okay. So. Yeah, there was one play where like they were holding, they were waiting to see what Rutgers put on the field and more came off because they put a bunch of receivers out. But, mm-hmm. like, I think that McGregor is still ahead of Moore. I just I didn't see much from him this game. Oki, I did notice that Rutgers in used terms the chip of, on him. In terms of snaps, Moore has been ahead of McGregor for a while now. There was so. there was a switch that, that, that changed at Michigan State. Okay. Yeah. Um, In terms of snaps, Rutgers on offense had 49. I know. Yay! <laughs> Seth is having the year of his life. I, I Well, I needed this this week because election day is Tuesday, oh, yeah. so I'm missing a day to, to work the election. Got to get it done before. I, I can't do the election yeah, any other day. I, I tried. The state of Michigan will not change the law, so now I have to get All my right. UFR done. Anyway. Uh, Good made a couple Rooks of plays, Rooks had too. a TFL. Rooks? Yeah. Yeah, and Good oh, had a sack. Good yeah. had a sack. Good had a sack. And he had another play where he ripped he, past a guy. So he was in the game with 78. Kenneth Grant. Kenneth Grant and yeah. I was like, whoa, that's Those are that's a lot boys. of man right yeah. there. <laughs> they might, Maybe they're going to transfer and play tight end for Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! I'm glad I, I'm glad I've poisoned your brain <laughs> like that. You probably don't get him start again, man. That We're gonna hear one. like all the come on, that was a good the chalky talk. <laughs> Those are some chalky tight ends, I gotta say. Um, Quentin Johnson. Well, uh, there was no page, so then Moten played, and I think Moten screwed up the, the so one fade. The the deep ball to that got uh, hit over DJ Turner. Yeah. Like, Moten is not in position to play that, and it's split safety coverage. So, yeah. He yeah. needed to be. <laughs> so, able... you don't put that on DJ at all? Well, D- Turner could have played that better. He could have put the guy in the sideline, but I think it's clear that he's expecting help over the top. So, he's in trail position, and he doesn't get help over the top. Okay. Because so. one of the things I wanted to talk about, since there's not going to be a lot to talk about in this section, is, you know, Turner has gotten beaten on some of those and mm. if he's an nfl corner that's gonna happen he's always been small that's sure. always been part of his thing sure well he's not that small he's not like will likely small he's, no but he's the car sissoko but he's 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 in the 180s yeah, it's I mean, not the height thing it's just that he's, he's i mean not there thick. were a there were a bunch of other fade type plays in this game where the player the cornerback tasked with defending that, basically ran the guy's route for him. Yeah, Will Johnson yeah. did it a couple of times. Turner did it a couple of times. He almost had an interception in the end zone on one of those. And so when I see press coverage, you are funneling this guy, but you're just giving up trail position immediately. That makes me think that the safety needs to be over top of that. Okay. 
So, and I don't think it was a coincidence that we didn't see Moten for a little bit immediately after that happened. And they put Quentin Johnson out there, which is like, okay, oh, that's interesting. That yeah, makes, and then Quentin okay. Johnson almost immediately oh, blew he, a tap. Well, his was, angle like, was poor. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, bad. The, I mean, the first issue there is that Will Johnson got beat on a slant where he couldn't tackle. Also, yeah. poor angle from Will I mean, Johnson. Yeah. So, uh, he's he's obviously a work in progress. I mean, he's a freshman. The, yeah. the thing is, like a lot of times. Even in man coverage, you switch on those, and that was a. By the way, we also they finally ran the uh, the pick play correctly, and they got it off. They converted a fourth and three on that. Yeah, Rutgers. I mean, yeah, so that's so that twice Michigan got hit by it, and they didn't have an answer again because they're still playing man. They don't switch on those. Yeah, when once you get down to the red zone, you, there's like I think it's called banjo, or you just if. There are two receivers and two defensive backs. One guy just has whoever breaks inside. The other guy just has whoever breaks outside. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's a communication thing. If you're – if the guy you have is like heading toward – if someone's coming towards you, you just yell banjo or whatever your safe word is and like <laughs> – Not you, the best nomenclature. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just found just, out something I didn't want to know. We're just going – all right. So – we're moving on. We're to moving this. on. Uh, so yeah, so, so they run it well. That's. I mean, that wasn't behind the line of scrimmage, but it wasn't a blatant block, so they weren't going to bring it back for it, OPI. It, it did go behind the line of scrimmage. It, uh, I, I, no, it was. It was the. It was two yards down. Oh, that was the first. Down, the oh, I was looking at the first. That was the touchdown that they got it on, right? Well, if, they, they scored it on that drive. If it was behind the line of scrimmage, it was OPI and should have been called back. No, it wasn't because <laughs> the guy actually. Sainer still got hung up on hit Michigan. the Michigan guy. Oh, I think okay. it was Will Johnson. Sainer still, yeah. So, so they just ran we've it seen right. that. We've seen yeah. that a few times this year. There must be some sort of downside to the banjo stuff. Otherwise, you'd probably already see it installed. Um, <clears throat> but I'm I'm sure at this point that they're aware that this is a vulnerability that they have on key plays too. So when it's like two-point conversion time basically when you have like you need three yards and you have your best play for it that's what teams are going with yeah so hopefully they can uh, get that sorted out before Ohio State uh we should mention the interceptions um well Will Johnson had a nice one yeah like he he played that very well Um, and broke on the ball a ball that absolutely should never have been thrown (laughs) correct that's true Um, of yes several of throws so uh and then Barrett has one thrown directly into his chest when Michigan has an Oki and he sims a pressure and drops right into the curl. And then Michigan has pressure and then a throw is pretty high and hard, can't be brought in by the wide receiver and Barrett's Two hands on a it pick though. six. Uh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, a pop-up, like if you throw, I, I would give the defensive lineman credit for creating the pressure there. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, although Wimsat, just like, good Lord. I I don't know how that guy was a top 200 recruit. Because they were expecting him to start school this year, redshirt this season, I don't, and then like maybe like down the road. Like so that there's, there's, there's like, okay, this guy seems like he's got a lot of potential, but he's making mistakes. And then there's Wimsat where it's just like, your accuracy is so bad, I cannot see this working out. <sighs> like, remember, remember Robbie Shanehoft? <laughs> no. He was a highly touted quarterback recruit who is the subject of a Michigan-Ohio State recruiting battle who was rec- uh, completing like a third of his passes in high that's, school. That's low. It was like Joe Milton. So whenever you have a quarterback who's completing under half of his passes, 
at any level, yeah, when they're running a bunch of screens, that guy is not rescuable. And I, <laughs> I, I don't see it with Wimsett. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, he's got an R, which is more you can say about anybody since Gary Nova at Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, so. he, he's, <laughs> he's got an arm. Oh, yeah, that was a but game. just like there were so many throws where the receiver was just like, oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, that's not going to catch that one. Nope. That, that didn't stop some of the Rutgers faithful from uh, from screaming about pass interference all game. Um, well, when not. you don't have anything else to say. Yeah. On the upside, that might be a satellite. <laughs> so I could claim to be an astronaut now, which I never thought would happen. Well, when that I was his Rutgers. nickname, right? Gary Supernova. Ah, well, so it, it is kind of difficult for Michigan to draw a whole lot out of this but Michigan did what they needed to do their ground game their ground defense was as punishing as it has been all year and even though these are bad defenses Michigan is playing bad they're f- the bad off- offenses they're playing they're fourth in SP plus which is opponent adjusted correct and are they still well the numbers probably not for this week yeah they are oh I, they came out already. and they're still four yeah they're still okay. four so it's uh even though you have to grade on a curve after you grade on a curve they're still performing at it exceptional level when they have great depth at defensive tackle i'm pretty comfortable with them getting like through their two deep and then they still have good and grant after that like no i don't there's not a whole lot of other teams in the country that have even vaguely plausible guys down at five and six um colson had a pretty decent game i think he got he sucked up on a play action one time i think that was the only real mistake that i saw from him i mean he didn't have to do much cause i don't tackles. even think i had a note for him yeah and he no he i he he well, the he had thing, a blitz where he had to like redirect inside of a guy and it actually made the tackle. He had to turn into a run blitz. The other thing is like, so we played Indiana. We did. Indiana has a ground game that is essentially statistically identical to Rutgers. And what did we see in the Indiana game? We saw two or three instances where they were able to crack the line and get chunk runs, largely because the linebackers had screwed up. We have not seen that in a few weeks now. So whatever Barrett's faults are as an inside linebacker, it seems like he's adapting. So the kind of things that we were seeing in that Indiana game, it doesn't seem like we're seeing it anymore. Like Barrett is adapting to being an inside linebacker. The mistakes aren't as uh, prominent. Mm. And then because of those defensive tackles, whatever his limitations are in taking on blocks, doesn't really seem to be a major factor. And, you know, yeah, you maybe, have to get around Mozzie Smith in order to get to him. Good luck with that. Maybe that changes in the Ohio State game, but given what we saw against, I mean, he's been good in space. He's made he's made tackles. Yeah, I mean, he has he has a lot of assets, right? right? And that's why he was a pretty good Viper prospect. Moving him inside, questionable. But if you're playing an offense that isn't Wisconsin, isn't Iowa, which like, is like most offenses, which is yeah, it's going to be everybody that Michigan plays until the end of Illinois. the year, probably. Uh, they still run a lot of yeah eleven personnel packages. I'm not worried about Illinois. Sorry, but no. I watched enough of that game. Yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> I did. We'll talk. We'll talk that's, about that's a different Jamie segment about that. Anyway, yeah. so you know, I people were like, "What are we going to do at this spot?" Because Mullings didn't really seem like an answer. Rolders a freshman, and I was like, "This is mm-hmm. Michael Barrett's." I mean, whatever weaknesses he has, we know that he does a lot of things well on a football field, mm-hmm. and I think. He's maturing into the kind of guy who you might like. Do we want this guy back next year? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's probably the starter until someone takes this spot from him. 
Yeah, and I mean you could. I mean, I mean Hill Green, but you want three linebackers, not two. Right, and so and like Barrett's a different kind of guy. Yeah, and he like what you've been saying, Brian, is like he just sort of fits into those roles better. Now, obviously, you play more pro style offenses. Yeah, okay, Hill Green fits better there in some ways, but honestly, I don't really care about pro style offenses anymore. Well, because it's right. like well, especially tight ends and that. Sort well, of thing. what I meant with is because with the kind of personnel Michigan is running out on the defensive line yeah. where you have a 290-pound end. You have a setup where you bring in an extra defensive tackle Yeah, uh, whenever you face anything approximating a heavy set. This is the kind of defensive environment where a guy like Barrett is going to perform because all he has to do is stay clean, which is going to happen most of the time, and then show up in the right spot, and he's clearly doing that. Uh just going back to the Indiana game quickly because this is this matters. This is why you need three linebackers, especially now when Colson's so young. Is when Colson would mess up against Indiana one time, they pulled him out, they put in Mulling, so they can just sometimes you got to pull a guy out so you can talk to him for a minute, right? Yeah. Like, especially with young players, you got to coach him up for a minute. They have not had to do that with Barrett, I think, since midseason. So yeah. he's just he's had enough snaps now where he just kind of it's the lights gone on. He's getting what his job is out there. He's never going to be a thunker, but that really wasn't the concern. The concern was that he wasn't really an inside linebacker and had, didn't have any of the instincts for it or anything. Now that he's you know four hundred snaps of doing it later. He's a senior. He knows what he's you know he knows what he's doing out there. Yeah, and honestly, even if he has some deficiencies that are never going to be better, would you rather have? Michael Barrett out there, or any of Michigan State's linebackers who can't run at all. <laughs> like in 2022, I think Michael Barrett is actually a pretty good example of a linebacker who fits what you need to defend most modern offenses. I mean, he's the reason why Jim Harbaugh offenses work is because that's what you're trending to. Because you need guys like that to handle three and four wide receivers and like plays in space and that kind of thing. And that's what Harbaugh said, okay, fine, you're going to do that. These are the kind of guys you're going to get. We're going to go back to pounding the ball. We're going to move you with our tight ends. We're going to move you with our pulling guards. And they're going to meet guys like Michael Barrett and run yeah. them over. Yeah. And no, But who else does that? And that's why it makes sense for Michigan's approach against man ball teams to be like, all right, we're going to put Mason Graham on the field. Right. Because you can't really change who your linebackers are. No. Uh-huh. I mean, because – but you can if go. If you to find it. two inside linebackers who are pretty good, you're golden. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's the toughest position to play on defense. And yeah. so finding enough guys who can play that, you're not going to switch them out for a 250 pound guy. But you can but, change your D line setup. But what you can do is you can still keep guys clean against multiple tight end sets, and that's what Michigan is doing, and it's working very, very well. Look at us having content about the Rutgers. Defense performance. Now, one more thing. Jenkins sniffed out a shovel pass. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. And that's something that burned Michigan earlier this year, so that's a nice little yeah. progression. I've, he was also very good about getting back on a screen that they tried to run. So, yep. smart guy, playing really well. I have one more thing. It's not really relevant, but it must be said. What do you think of when I say Mitch Leidner? Whoa. Uh, what? I, I, I mean, maybe I was wrong, but when I was watching this, it really looked like Sainer still got beat on a back shoulder or a back shoulder corner. Oh, oh. oh. Um, anyway, I mean, it's it doesn't matter because like you should get always get beat on a back shoulder corner by definition. Right. But it was funny, and I jumped out of my seat and I, saw, I yelled, "Mitch Leidner." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the first time anyone other than Todd McShay has done that since 2015 <laughs> when it happened. 
All right, we're going to take a break, come back, do some hot takes, and then have some special teams discussion. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Is your online store sluggish? Outdated? Underperforming? You may be suffering from chronic crappy website disorder. One in three online stores built by your brother's friend's nephew currently suffers from chronic crappy website. But now, there's hope. Introducing Human Element. Huel has helped hundreds suffering from CCW to turn their online stores around, creating fast, secure, and engaging online experiences that turn visitors into customers and put products back at the top of their search engine game. Before Huel, I had abandoned carts, browser errors, and poorly animated GIFs. Now, with Huel, I can focus on what I'm actually good at, running my business. Jeffrey, would you be a deer and pull the Ferrari around? Side effects may include increased traffic, customer conversions, better ROI, compliments, elation, and early retirement. Why live with the disappointment of chronic crappy website disorder? Speak to your human element consultant today to see if Huel is right for you. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of HomeShare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use HomeShare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, equal housing lender. We know you ain't shopping. Bitch, I had a double look, big boy profit. Hey, bitch, I keep a double cup. I don't feel like stopping. All of my niggas stay for real. They get teed up. Pockets getting hefty. I can tell we gonna be more than straight this summer. We hit them on the side for the come up. You get it back and do it all again, and you do it for your mama. We got money talks full of commas. I keep it 100, just hate when niggas act different. If my gang's for you bogus, then you better have a pistol. I know I'm gonna get dizzy when I hand count a million. If I ever crash out, I know my brother bound to get him. Oh, 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 no, my brother don't show mercy. You can't try him. Broken barely swim, but I know he gonna dive in. I hang with demons. 
it been hard for me to stop seeing. He was talking shit for months. When he gon' drop the pen. My jeans too tight, they can tell I got a bank, bro. I close sign when I shop, I tell her, give me those. Yeah, it's your first lick, and then you supposed to stay low. Yeah, I'm off some shit I know I can't fold. I be like, bitch, don't come around slick. Young nigga self-made, I'm on top. Bad, bad ho, she can line you up for sure. Like, Oh, Dave, Jason, Randy, I need takes hotter than the lights that were going all flashy. And it was like, oh, we're in the club because they scored a touchdown. Fruity, Theo. That was, they were pretty hot. <laughs> How hot were they? Are they, they, are they, sh- are they Shy Stadium really or hot? She Stadium or She? Well, she <sighs> people, you know how many people draw the T after the well, SHI no, I, all over that stadium? I just call it Clay Davis Stadium. <laughs> hey. hey! Was there like an asterisk at the end? Hey, Seth, give me your hottest take! All right, guys, ready? Do you hear the people sing, singing the songs of angry men? It is the music of receivers when you don't throw and second and ten. What was that? (laughs) It's the revolution. The receivers are sick of it. They're not having it. Throw the ball or we're not catching anymore. Viva la revolution! <laughs> How about third and six or third and five also? Add that to the mix. This is Seth's way of complaining about the play calling, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Brian doesn't know where he is. I, uh, You know that scene in Monty Python where the guy's like, I just want to sing, and then his dad's like, no, 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 that's me in real life. Uh, so let's move on. Randy, give me your hottest take. Cornelius Johnson should only be thrown to in the end zone, in the red zone. All his other passes should go to Tyler Morris. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sensing a theme. Uh, Yeah, Cornelius Johnson uh, has forgotten how to play like every single time. He'll catch the ball behind uh, the line of scrimmage and then put his knee down. He will drop a ball that is clearly catchable coming away, and then he'll catch – the most impossible laser between the hands of an outstretched linebacker or safety, whatever, that there's no way he could catch it and then proceed to do a dance that no one knows what it is. But, I mean, he is – only throw it to him in the end zone because that's where he's great. Jason, give me your hottest take. Michigan should only play the second half of any game for the rest of our lives. <laughs> All right, now I need another one. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, but geez, really, honestly, has there been one good first half this year? I am kind of sick of, like, I guess we should at all at some point just be like, yeah, they're going to pull it out in the second half. Uh, I think we're damaged from decades of just losing, so or at least I am, so it's hard for me to, like, see, like, how they're just going to just truck everyone in the third quarter. But, yeah, let's just start in the third quarter. It's way more fun. One half of football. It would take just as long. Well, why don't we just tell people it's a third quarter? Like, next yeah. time they have a home game, instead of, like, first quarter, just put up third quarter in the first quarter. That's right. And what have, if Michigan I, is actually a mediocre team, and then the coaches are just, like, so good that they can adjust to everything at yeah. halftime? And they're well, just, like, no, they're just like, unbeatable because, like, <laughs> they can just, like prognosticate after seeing what happened. No, it, sh- it, it, should be, it should be a new show starring Queen Latifah called The Adjuster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, jeez. I actually, I actually think that Michigan should sell second. That's so and- stupid. <laughs> 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 I, 
She makes great adjustments in the <laughs> God. She's an adjuster who's also works for the CIA. Guys, get on board. This is how TV gets made. Right. <laughs> Network television. I haven't watched any of it. In they years. have hit shows in their history. You yeah, don't. We can't, you're not fine. your question. They're, they're, yeah. they're the he experts. Hit podcasts. Yeah. I think they should sell second half energy. It's like a five-hour energy. <laughs> all of your best work done. And 100% of the profits go to NIL to try and keep the receivers we have on the team to stay on the team. <laughs> <laughs> Except Cornelius Johnson, apparently. Well, yes. he's got a purpose. Just throw it to him in the end zone. All right. <laughs> Dave, give me your hottest take. Michigan might be fine with Noah West. Noah West. Oh, the goalie. In uh, hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have a good oh. football hot take. I mean, yeah, he, probably he, not, sure. but like he played well and the team didn't, and he kept them in it. And the, one of the things is what happens if something happens to Portillo? Well, we found out. And it's kind of the same. He's a little slow and has a, cu- a couple of the same issues with rebound control. But, like, he made a lot of saves, man. Great. All right. Here's mine. The winner of the Heisman Trophy will be playing in the Michigan-Ohio State game. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Tennessee, yeah. Tennessee fans, if they lose to number two again. <laughs> so, you know, Hendon Hooker, they score one touchdown against Georgia. Uh-huh. Alabama's out of the playoff picture. And if you can't take Alabama to a playoff berth, yeah, you don't want right. to get the Heisman. you got to be kidding <laughs> he me. He already has one. And so then you get, you got Stroud. Uh-huh. you got Blake Corum. And one of those two players is going to lead their team to a victory in the biggest college football game of the season. Right. And then they're going to eviscerate Illinois. In the, the, the no, no, because if Illinois loses to Purdue, the winner of Iowa-Wisconsin goes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is yes! The, it is the ugliest Big Ten West you've ever seen. There's just a bunch of three oh and threes and uh, Illinois. Just Illinois versus Michigan, like, saving, like, holding everyone back. Right in now. any case, you know, Georgia doesn't really have a candidate, although it should be no. Blake Bowers. It could just be all of them. Just like the Titans. Brock, Brock, you mean Brock Bowers? Brock Bowers, yeah. Bowers, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't think C.J. Stroud did himself any favors yesterday. Granted, the weather was terrible. But I think Blake Corum added two more touchdowns, another 100-yard rushing game. I mean, he, he added to his resume where I think C.J. Stroud, who was out in the lead, definitely dropped down a few pegs. Well, I mean, it's it's always it's going to be about who wins the game and then individual performances therein. And then, like, is there an Alabama candidate? No. Is there a Georgia candidate? Not really. I'm surprised there isn't some sort of groundswell for uh, a Georgia defender. But, Duggan. Yeah. People are pounding the, only the Georgia can The only Georgia candidate is Raphael Warnock. There's another hot thing. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, all right. Well, if you can't get enough Sklar Brothers, hit up their Patreon, uh, their podcast view from the cheap seats, or hit up, check out the nosebleeds on UFC Fight Pass. Thank you guys for doing this. Great every week. Thank you. Guys. We love it. Thank you. See you, yep, see you guys. See all right. So special teams, sort of a disaster for the first time. I think I can say that in years. This is a fine game to have that in, though. Yeah, so Barrett, who we just talked up in the defensive section extensively, uh, gets lost on a personal protection, and Michigan gets a punt return to center. I think the first block punt of Brad Robbins' career. Uh, I can't remember one. Yeah, and, not one that was overly relevant. Yeah, and then they uh, miss a couple 50-yard field goals, one of which the trajectory of it was very strange and makes me think that the wind actually... How was the win, yeah, Seth? Yeah. 
uh, little little breezy. I mean, like it, you could see the little the streamers kind of yeah. down there were moving. It was the wind is probably different on the field than it was like in the stands. Well, it's just when when a kick starts going one way and then it starts like curving. Like that draw that happens though. That the, the the draw that he that Moody just sort of naturally has. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then when it starts going back out, you're like, "What is that?" Yeah. So well, sometimes fe- that's hitting the ball inside out, right? Well, maybe I don't know. I felt like the first one was probably good if it was in you know, a dome or whatever. Because that kind of happens when you hit the ball hard, right? Like if you just swing through the ball and you hit it like you'd hit a normal shot in tennis or baseball or anything, the ball is just going to have its natural swing to it. But if you pound it and it mm-hmm. comes off a little bit and you hit it a little inside, it's like throwing a screwball. The ball is just going to tail. I mean, there's, a, there, there's a theory about Rutgers. Like, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. There's there's actual stuff out there. The, like their stadium? Yeah, their stadium because it's like uh, it, it's got like a huge side deck and then like an opening and there's then like a the theory about right who thinks about this enough to like have a theory about it maryland i got i think this is from testudo oh. times <laughs> okay i guess because they because they you read this testudo times yeah well okay. when i do the maryland preview every year i have okay. to like go because and they're they're hilarious they're 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 just such great people because but they're they're so mean? convinced maryland is gonna like be great at the beginning of every year well they have reasons i mean remember piggy anyway um <clears throat> <laughs> so they also have a penalty yeah. on a kick return. They have uh, yeah. a false start, I before think, a on punt. before a punt. Yeah. So that was, was a, an illegal procedure. Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. So it just, it just kind of felt like, particularly in that part of the game, that Michigan was just caught up in this general malaise that affected the... So the block punt was a good play. It was right? a good play. Like they, yeah. The thing that they ran, I remember watching and being like, wow, that, that guy went over like four gaps. Yeah, and... and I mean, Barrett still has to know that sure. the, the guy to the outside is not really a danger. But I kind of understand, like, Jay Harbaugh's like, oh, I guess I got got for the first time in forever. But that I hope he, happen. like, wrote it down and put and it in. while we're talking about this, we should mention that Adam Korsak, what is his whole deal? <laughs> oh, God. So they got a standing ovation he like, the fans. He, like, takes off oh. running half Oh, my gosh. And so he the, his first punt... Where it looks like Moten is about to blow him up. Cornelius yeah. Johnson. Well, Cornelius, yeah, Johnson. Cornelius, yeah. yeah, Cornelius Johnson is about to blow him up. That happened in that Iowa game yeah. that we lost where the yeah. guy leaves the pocket. Devin Bush. And then, like... Gets hit with a 15-yard roughing the Right. Roughing the when punter. it's just like, you can't... Yeah. So, I think that technically that should have been roughing the punter. I don't know if they've clarified the rule there. No, it shouldn't have. No, been. it shouldn't be. If he, he goes was outside, of, if he goes outside of the pocket. He's just a player. Bush got Bush That's, got hit for that. Yeah, in but, sixteen. But that that was in sixteen. That was not the rule. I don't know if I, if, uh, I don't know if that's the rule. I don't know if it wasn't the rule. Changed. I think it was a missed call in sixteen. I remember looking it up, and there was no. All right, because I was incensed. <laughs> you were. I was incensed. It's not like, a good this night. This is not. This is not okay. We were all there, and I, they <laughs> yeah. might have. They might have changed it. So. But because I was, I saw that and I was like, "Oh God, we're about to get a yeah. really stupid fifteen-yard penalty." Instead, it was just a really stupid fifty or forty-yard punt. Well, thirty-five of those yards were after the ball hit down. Yes, I know. So, so <laughs> and then, it could have been a twenty-yard uh, punt. In Jay Harbaugh's defense, he had Johnson lined up for a punt that was absolutely going to be blocked. Uh-huh. And then Corsac's just like, "Oh, I guess I'm Australian. I'm going to go do some stuff." <laughs> he hits the R2 button. I know. And, and, the, and like, when do you see that? You don't see that. And so he's just like, "All right, I'm going to go over here and then I'm going to punt it." And I was so angry <laughs> at Adam Corsac. 
So that was the congratulations, <laughs> Big Ten punters. You have made me angry at one of your number. This is this is the greatest punting conference in the history of college football. Twenty twenty two Big Ten. You're probably not wrong because Adam Corsak yeah. is like the third or fourth best punter in the league by number. Well, okay, but well, yeah, you have what Behringer that's pulling in one handed snaps. You have yeah, Behringer. You have and Ohio then, State's punter. You have Robbins. Yeah. you have Penn State's punter. And then this guy is a Houdini. And yeah, and this guy. What, what is his whole deal? Like every, it seemed like every. Well, and then punt, you have the Iowa punter who who has T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. Made for him. The, it seemed like every punt he's like, well, maybe I'll fake this, and then <laughs> yeah. if I get someone to me, I'll just Aussie rules. So it. what's the rule on that? Like, how far can you run before you have to kick it? Like, can you pull up like one yard short of the line of scrimmage and yeah. still punt yeah. it? So your entire team is down the field. You've run four. 13 yards over to the side. Uh-huh. Oh, someone's got my angle. Now I'm just going to drop it and boot it. Yep. Yeah, that's what you can <laughs> you do. You wow. just described football in the night. Do you know what else you can do? <laughs> if you punt it and then one of your teammates catches it behind the line of scrimmage, they can advance it. So you can Aussie rules it to someone? You, yes. So that's yeah. – that's, all right, all right. Well, all right this, it is this the is, most insane rule Do they have a whiteboard people? here? Because I have an <laughs> idea. <laughs> I don't. Roll out to that one side. Been your hot take. Stop. I didn't know it was. You didn't know it was legal. Yeah. No, even though our yeah, hot stop. takes have already happened or they're coming what, later. What, I don't know where they are. Need just to have this you segment. need to have okay. two punters and then. So you get two one, punters. Yeah. So you get one kind of rolling out and then you do like an end around thing and then he punts it. Back to the first back, one. No, no, no. Back oh. to like a receiver you have over there. Okay. And then you score a touchdown. And Man. Yeah. We could spend some time on this. We could. This is definitely a good use of our time and something that will ever happen in a football. I, game. I just captured a photo of you guys coming up with this play. Cause like you're because like you're like bent over the excited. table. Like do you have the sugar out, packets? Like, like do you think they the have sugar now? packets in there? We can like set up and like use the creamers as like, blockers. Taking all my podcast equipment and like using them as their punter guys. Like to anyway. So that Ad- was a good time. Adam Corsack is some sort of. Aussie Houdini person who robbed Cornelius Johnson of a blocked punt. It's and true. I feel like... And we haven't even gotten to the onside kick yet. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, that's true. Good job for Quentin Johnson. Yeah. I wonder if there's a case to be made now that the only thing you should be doing on kickoffs is trying to prevent onside kicks. Preventing? Because, like, mm. I mean, well, how many... So. So we talk about this, and, and we go back and forth about when do you take a shot, right? And it's becoming clearer and clearer to me, at least, that you take shots returning kicks when your offense isn't great. And when you need, hey, maybe we can hit a home run. Or when but, you need to get A.J. Henning some touches because you have a gazillion receivers and the yeah. freshmen are starting to get out there, too. I mean, okay. But if you have a good offense like, like Michigan or Ohio State and you're no, okay, we get the ball at the 25, we're going to complete two balls or Quorum's going to run for 15, we're, you know, a play or two away from field goal range, like, you don't need to do that. You just take it at the 25 and you go. If you're Northwestern, if you're <laughs> Rutgers, yeah, you roll the dice because maybe you get the right block, somebody but falls down. they don't down. do that. Well. Like, we, we've seen most of the really bad Maybe opponents. they believe in their offense. I think maybe they're just not spending any time on it in practice anymore. It's like we got so many other things to well, work on. I mean, yeah. That there kickoff is returns are not worth but worthwhile. But I mean, look at it from the perspective of Rutgers. Like surprise onside kick. Those have a pretty good success rate. And if they don't succeed, what did you give up? Twenty five yards of field position? To a team that's probably marching down there in three plays. Right. So like I mean, honestly, I feel like that's an underutilized 
Well, that's well, that's a good point, and and maybe this is maybe Jay Harbaugh is listening to this, and we can we can pass along some knowledge. Is just like, hey, all right, you're playing on the front line. Maybe put five, six guys. Your job, keep your eyes on the ball. They did just like well, baseball. I mean, they did kick it off to the up back in this game too. Like, uh, the, yeah, thirty nine. I didn't know who that is. That was that was right before halftime. That's Joe Taylor. Why do I know that? Hey, who's uh, hey, <laughs> phone wow, books, man? Mr. Now? Phone books. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, were, I, you were surprised at yourself because I, I, uh, I when I did the season preview, yeah. I was going through the depth chart stuff, and then at some point, uh, Harbaugh said, "Yeah, Joe Taylor is going to be our second returner." And I was like, "Okay, great." I didn't mention it in the season preview because because why? I yep. mean. <clears throat> No, and he, he actually had an okay return. Got like a plus seven, I think, on that. Yeah, that should have been Barrett, though, and they should have ran the thing from Maryland last year. Not against Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota. Minnesota, they did that. Mm. Was it Minnesota? No, it was, it was Maryland. Oh, the Maryland when they threw it across. Maryland yeah. is yeah. always the weird yeah. kickoff yeah. event game. Where Giles Jackson's tackled, gets up. That was, that was Indiana. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, Maybe Barrett, it's just all of the, the bad The other teams. Barrett was – Minnesota was – kicked it to Barrett as the – Barrett was the up back, and he, like, returned it for 60 yards. And he didn't get a touchdown, but he, like, mm. had a big, long return. Well, in any case. Things that happened in 2020. So it was very eventful uh, special teams events. And then Moody made one. Yeah, Yay. Uh, the only game theory stuff we really have is, like, the fourth downs the fourth from the three. one. Well – what about four, fourth and three from midfield right before the half? Oh, actually, yeah. so there was a lot of controversy about the time management there. So what happens is there's like 34, 36 seconds left. Michigan just letting it run, and then Rutgers calls timeout. So that they don't take it down to six seconds and throw a Hail Mary. Right. Right. Um, and then Michigan in that situation is like, all right, well, I'm going to try to get the first down because there's 16 seconds left, and even if we don't get it, they're going to be at the – 45 the 40 or, or 45 yeah. with maybe one or two plays. So now it's worth us to try to go get a field goal. Especially considering the only thing that <clears throat> Rutgers is going to try to do is just chuck one up. Right. So I kind of feel like Rutgers should have let it run down. Because if they let it run down and Michigan gets a free Hail Mary shot, whatever, versus you know a 50-yard field goal attempt, which is what actually happened from a very good kicker, I think I'm taking the Hail Mary if I'm Shiano. Probably. Michigan, in that situation, probably should have let the clock run down to where it did, and then they took timeout. Because then, <clears throat> if you take timeout right away, then that fourth and three, if you don't make it, you're giving them the ball close to midfield. They got 30 seconds. They're a rooker, so probably not a whole lot is going to happen. Just but They'll throw a fade. Yeah, I mean that, and that could be something <laughs> yeah. that, that isn't good for you. Yeah. So I kind of felt like Rutgers accidentally made Michigan play it right. And Rutgers messed up. I uh, I think that Michigan was going to run it down and throw a Hail Mary. And throw and how how upset would you have been if had that happened? Not very. Yeah, it was it was like a safeish play and then, so whatever. Uh, yeah, but I mean I don't think Michigan's plan Yeah, I think you're right. Like Rutgers kind of put them in that position, but Rutgers had to do something cuz like they had to decide run, let, let it run down and take a Hail Mary right. or you know, maybe get no, get them to zero points. Also, they're up three. They've had the perfect first half, more or less. Yeah. Like, cut your losses and be like, hey, why should I play this out and maybe give Michigan a chance to tie the game instead of just, like you said, just a throw to the end zone? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The other thing is uh, the pound it strategy inside the red zone where you, you're like, all right, we're going to use that for it now. Yeah. So that's, I think, an important factor in your play calling there, because like if you got 
first and goal from the eight and you want to run it down to the four, you know, if you've only got three downs, that's kind of a questionable decision a little bit. If you have four, like you're probably yeah. going to be able to use that fourth down. I mean, it, it comes in context of the game where you're yeah. like, if we kick a field goal, how bad is it versus or do we need to score? Right. So I kind of feel like the pound, 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 even though you're you wish you're getting in on second down or third down there, like because you know you're going to utilize that fourth down, it makes that strategy more viable. Uh, the only last thing that I had was the first down passing rate in the first half, which was six of 17, which fits with the rest of the game plan, because that's about 35 ish percent. And that's lower. I mean, Michigan was creeping into the 40s, maybe high 40s the last few games. And I think they've dialed it back a little bit. Uh, kick catch interference. I thought the one that they called probably was like Henning tempted baiting them into it because like he called it and then he like stepped two steps up to like go catch it and like I they're like well no the one they called like he just stayed away from the ball because there were three or four Rutgers players in the area right I mean to me that's such a weird call because do you even need to make that no because like he already he already called a fair catch right yeah mm-hmm. so like kick catch interference like okay I caught the ball and it's dead right there but if we don't let you catch the ball then it's another 15 yards, which just seems like an excessive yeah. penalty. Especially, yeah. yeah, especially given the place on the field. Right. But there right. was another punt that he fair caught, and a guy like flew by him and like put his hands in his face. He flew yeah. by him, and I'm like, that's what kick catch interference should well, be. That, <laughs> is that, was it Greg Schiano who did that? That flag probably comes out if he drops the ball. Because uh-huh. there was, a, I think, an infamous uh, play way back in the day where Steve Breston uh, had a guy fly by, and he had to adjust and then uh-huh. he muffed the punt and that's when the kick catch interference call came out and everybody's like oh i didn't touch him and then we had to look at the rule book and you don't need to touch anybody for kick catch interference but to me if you've already fair caught if you've already signaled a fair catch what the kick catch interference should be is like if the ball is dead exactly where it lands and that's hmm. it's like more appropriate like a golf ball that just sticks in the ground well so they didn't really rob you of an attempt an opportunity right no because you gave it up Right, so it kind of feels like uh, that penalty in hockey where if you use your hand on a face-off, it's a two-minute penalty, where a hand pass anywhere else is just a face-off. That's that's silly hockey rules where they don't have any way to do anything except for two-minute penalties. Or like the – also in hockey, like this is just an NHL rule, but if you put the puck directly out – yeah. That's a two-minute penalty zone. instead of essentially icing, which it was right. in college, in college yeah. hockey. So it just feels completely disproportionate for that to be a 15-yard call. Like, I could see five, I guess. But yeah. if you've already made a fair catch signal, like, that's just a gift. So anyway, that's our complaining about the rules section of the podcast. We're going to take a break, come back, talk to Jamie. <clears throat> the only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other, wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or 
application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute, they will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs, original geeks of programmable communication. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom-printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. We know you ain't shopping. I had a double up, big boy profit. Hey, I keep a double cup. I don't feel like stopping. All of my niggas are for real. They get teed up. Pockets getting hefty. I can tell we're going to be more than straight this summer. We hit them on the side for the come up. You get it back and do it all again, and you do it for your mama. We got money talks full of commas. I keep it 100. Just hate when niggas act different. If my gang's for you bogus, then you better have a pistol. I know I'm going to get dizzy when I hand count a million. If I ever crash out, I know my brother bound to get him. Oh, 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 no, my brother don't show mercy. You can't try him. Broken barely swim, but I know he going to dive in. I'm at venue, as we usually are, and I'm looking at a thing that says, bring a chef home for the holidays. Unfortunately, oh no, <laughs> this is not literal. You cannot kidnap Chef Thad in some sort of Christmas vacation type heist. Well, you could, but it would not be legal. Okay. I'm not, don't do this. 
But if you do, invite me over. Because you can spend more time with family and friends this season by placing your holiday orders for pickup. Venue is now offering holiday-inspired heat-and-serve meals to go. So you'll have the best damn mashed potatoes ever. And you can either do this by going to Venue and purchasing it or kidnapping Chef Dad. Which, again... Should not do that? You should not do that. Oh, I, like I should not have given you this card that was in the bottom of my... But if you do, <laughs> invite me. I gave that to you so Thad could be on your refrigerator, by the way. I All figured right. that's something you would appreciate. I, I do. Yeah. He's, he's, he's amazing. We welcome in Jamie Mack of JustCoverBlog.com. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing great, guys. Um, if you did not feel dirty enough Saturday night cheering for Notre Dame and Brian <laughs> Kelly's new team, we're going to get a little bit dirtier later in the podcast when we explain to you Iowa and Wisconsin's legit Hopes of getting to Indianapolis. And <laughs> We're going to start with Ohio State 21, Northwestern 7, because I think it is the most extreme example of a thing that we're going to have to contextualize all of these scores with, which is the uh, wind across the Midwest yesterday made doing anything impossible. So you see things like Iowa deleting Purdue because, I mean, what happens when Purdue can't throw the ball? Anyway. This is most prominent in the 21-7 Ohio State victory over North- Northwestern, which is 7-7 at halftime and features Northwestern outgaining Ohio State by two yards, 285 to 283. C.J. Stroud uh, goes 10-26 for 76 yards, and Ohio State manages to break this open late by pulling out the arc bluff, whatever you want to call it, the Michigan staple for C.J. Stroud, who goes for 44 yards, setting up a touchdown to seal it. They also had a key C.J. Stroud run on a third down uh, where he kept it, and no one on the Northwestern defense knew this was a possibility. So it seems like the uh, things, some of the things that they were saving for the Michigan game have been put on tape. And then Mayan Williams goes 111 on 26 carries, long of 27 just an absolute slog for both these teams. And my God, I have not been invested in a Northwestern football game in a long time. I hate Pat Fitzgerald's <laughs> offense. I hate everything about it. This is what happened. I was, so they, so they don't, they have the wind in the first quarter and they're running the wildcat and they're, mm-hmm. and they're throwing the ball a little bit and it's fine. And, it's working. and they're snapping the ball like every eight or nine seconds. So right. They get and more and it's like, all right, this makes a ton of sense. And then they don't have the win for the next two quarters. And it's just slog, slog, slog. And that makes some sense. And then they get in the fourth quarter where they have the win. And what do they do? They run more freaking Wildcat after Ohio State is like up on it. And I'm just like, oh, my God. You, you're down a touchdown now. Like you need yeah. to score points. Stop doing this. Throw the ball yeah. a little bit. And he just doesn't want to do it. That's all he got. That's all he's got. I mean, in that fourth quarter, Brendan Sullivan actually was sort of a magic man on some of those third downs. Remember he kind of did that forward shovel pass when he was kind of uh, evading uh, some – evading a sack and – he had he had two third down uh, pass conversions in the in the fourth quarter, but yeah, I mean, it, eventually they just put him in too too many third and long situations there, even with the wind in the second half. And um, I did not expect to watch much of this game. <laughs> I watched it. I watched it on the main TV, all of it. I did not expect to rewatch it. I rewatched it again this morning. Um, 
And didn't we all do this about a few weeks ago where we did not expect to watch a down of the Penn State Northwestern game? And then all of a sudden we're watching every down of it in bad weather. And in both those games, a crucial fourth and one Wildcat that they could not convert or else they might have pulled off one of these upsets. Yeah. And there's Ohio State fans all over Twitter saying like football should be played in a controlled environment because this is a beauty pageant. And we're just like soft. Well, they're all, they're <laughs> soft. In yeah, they're in lockstep with their administration, right? Because he wants – he's the Big Ten guy who wants the uh, – He wants Big the Ten playoffs and – Yeah. Yeah. If they get a home game, they're going to play. I guess we're game. seeing why. Well, I mean, so this is a game where you pretty much remove the passing games from the equation. Mm-hmm. And Ohio State got a couple of chunk runs from Stroud. But other than that, in the trenches, this bit was dead even. Like Hull goes for 122 on 30 carries. His backup goes for 50 on 11. Sullivan also puts up 55 yards. Like if you removed the uniforms from this game and put them in generic or in a commercial uniforms, this would have looked like a matchup between teams that have pretty much the same offensive and defensive lines. It looked completely even. Yeah, they had a real hard time all day blocking uh, Adebaware who lined up sometimes on the end, sometimes on the inside. Um, but to me, it seemed like the four Northwestern defensive linemen were winning a lot of their one-on-one battles, and that allowed the linebackers who were selling out against the run to come in and get some free hits. And it also allowed the safeties who were playing extremely close to the line of scrimmage because there was no passing game because of the because of the weather to come in and play ultra-aggressive too, which, we, which Penn State obviously could not do last week because they had to play two safeties kind of back. You know, to, to guard against the, you know, the passing downfield, obviously. But that wind yesterday prevented that from happening. Ohio State's offensive line is not bad, okay? We're in the Big Ten. We've seen plenty of bad offensive lines. But I tell you what, I don't know if they're good. You know, they they're pass so blockers. many one-on-one battles throughout the course of every game. Yeah, I mean, there was a period. Ahead, Seth, you were say there was a period in the first quarter where they get a third and one and get stuffed. They get a third and one on the next drive and get stuffed. They mm-hmm. go for it on fourth and one and they get stuffed on that too. Yeah, and and it's just um, you know it's it's sort of how you guys always detail it when when you're breaking down offensive line play for all of us or just block run blocking in general. You know, one or two mistakes can blow up the whole play, even if three or four or five guys are blocking well. And on all those. On all those three short yardage plays, it was something else. It was either the guards getting blown up or it was Kate Stover deciding not to block uh, the end. Uh, you know, it just it just seems like there's always something going wrong on some of these running plays for Ohio State with the blocking up front. And it's just enough to throw them uh, off their game. It, it's it goes back to the how I mean. These guys were five-star recruits because they were pass blockers. They're mm-hmm. they're agile. They work on pass blocking. It's it's what they do very well. And because of that, they can you know leave a Heisman caliber quarterback to Heisman the ball around to amazing receivers. That's what they're mm-hmm. built on. And the reason why they need a controlled environment is because wind and snow and a little bit of rain or whatever it is can take away the thing that they built their whole program around. Yeah. This is not Urban Meyer's Ohio State anymore. It feels like it because there was no drop off in the winning, but the team is not built like that anymore. They yeah. built the, they have guys who recruit their five star offensive tackles playing guard, and mm-hmm. that's what they're there to do. Yeah, and you know they just 
you know, from an eye test standpoint, they just don't look comfortable out there run blocking. Um, you know, they're like you mentioned, they've got tackles playing guards. Their actual tackles playing tackles look super awkward whenever they try to get a block out on the perimeter. And I tweeted this out on Sunday morning, a huge difference between Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, Michigan's wide receivers and tight ends are going to kick your ass all day blocking. Ohio State's wide receivers and tight ends, man, they miss a lot of blocks. A lot of times they can't ID which one, you know, to even to even hit. And sometimes they just don't hold blocks. I mentioned Cade Stover earlier, but Marvin Harrison Jr. on on a end around to Weekway. I know he scored a touchdown on one, but on a, on one earlier, he had two guys. He just decided not to block either of them, and and the play just got blown up. And I just couldn't imagine something like that happening to the 2021 or 2022 Wolverines for blocking at least. Yeah, I mean, obviously, unless it's super windy for the game this year, this is not going to be nearly that lopsided just in terms of like what you can do. But we saw them struggle to run against Penn State. We saw them struggle uh, to convert a lot of short fields against Iowa. So Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like Michigan is going to have a pretty big advantage in the trenches in this game. And then... It's just about whether C.J. Stroud can outperform McCarthy enough to keep Ohio State ahead of Michigan, which is a weird thing to – I mean, it's obviously very possible. They have an awesome wide receiver core. They have an awesome – they have a high-end quarterback. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm feeling like pretty good about what's going to happen on both lines of scrimmage. I'm a little worried yeah. that we're going to show up to Columbus, and they're going to have a dome over that building. Well, it's going to be <laughs> – well, you know, eventually the running numbers uh, looked good in the end yesterday. You know, Mayan Williams had a great second half. You mentioned some of Stroud's runs, but they started the game gaining only 26 yards on their first 10 carries. And, you know, yesterday the weather did stink, but we now have three weeks in a row where the Buckeyes have not been able to drive the field. On possessions that have started in their own territory over the last three games, they are only averaging 1.9 points per possession. This is a team that averages – well over four points of possession, you know, normally. Of course, they put up big numbers on the scoreboard against Iowa and Penn State, but they had a lot of possessions that started in their own territory because of all sorts of Hawkeye and Penn State shenanigans. And their first two touchdowns yesterday started in plus territory after a bad Northwestern punt and after that uh, fourth and one Wildcat that that didn't convert. So, you know, even yesterday they only scored one touchdown on their nine possessions, I think, that started in their own territory. Mm Mm-hmm. Against Northwestern, granted the weather, but still. Yeah, it's uh, definitely something that affects Ohio State more than most Big Ten teams. But the flip side of that, it's because they're one of the few Big Ten teams with a functional quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, I think we've beaten that into the ground. We're going to move on to, I think, the most relevant game for Michigan's purposes and the West purposes, which is a 23-15 to win for Michigan State over Illinois, featuring yet another Michigan State goal line stand. And, you know, the standout stat for me in this game is that Illinois is 1-6 on fourth down. And one wow. of those was desperation towards the end of the game. But Illinois had plenty of chances to drive the field and put up points on this team. And then they just found themselves in spots where a field goal wasn't going to make sense. And they had to go for it on fourth down. And Michigan State just stoned them. So total yeah. yards in this game were 443 for Illinois to 294 for Michigan State. And that's an Illinois loss. And that's yeah. one that's going to sting for a long time. Yeah. You know, you know, a perfect example of the game management you were talking about was because of a penalty Illinois had a fourth and 19 at the Michigan State 30. But because of the wind, they really couldn't kick a field goal. 
they tried to convert a fourth and 19 through the air and it was just, you know, not happening. But yes, the, this game came down to which team converted their scoring opportunities and which team didn't. Michigan State had four drives where they earned a first and 10 within the Illinois 35. They scored on all four, 24 total points. Illinois had six drives uh, where they earned a first and 10 within the Michigan State 35. They only had two scores for 14 total points. That's four points per scoring opportunity versus 2.3. That's one of the five factors of winning. Combine that with a plus 14 yardage edge in field position towards Michigan State's favor, and uh, they won two of the five factors pretty pretty handily. And, and that field position, Illinois had five drives out of seven from the middle of the second quarter through the end of the game, basically, that started within their own 13-yard line. And that is, this is not a team that can really drive drive the field because they are pretty one-dimensional. I mean, from a Michigan perspective, I don't know if this really changes our view of like how difficult that Illinois game is going to be just because, you know, they had, they managed to come up against the like one elite thing Michigan State does uh-huh. on a million key uh, plays, but they did, you know, basically what you would expect them to do in terms of down to down performance against a pretty bad Michigan State team. You know, I just think, yeah, you know, getting putting a finer point on on those wasted possessions Illinois gained 235 yards on those four wasted possessions. They almost outgained Michigan State on those four wasted possessions because what State didn't have 294 yards maybe for the whole game. Um, you know, I just, you know, wind is a factor in all these Big Ten games this week. Illinois all year, despite their success, has not been able to throw down the field. Their leading, their leading kept their leading receiver from a target standpoint is barely averaging four yards a target. Uh, so this just was a bad. Bad situation, I think, for Illinois all around. One thing that caught my eye was that Michigan State had a 16% havoc rate on defense. Illinois has not been giving up that much this year. Maybe they're starting to fall apart a little bit up front. Well, um, this loss uh, really opens up the West Division. They're now 4-2, uh, and they're being chased by several different teams that are 3-3, three and three, the uh, – what is it? The ACC Atlantic scenario where everybody finishes tied at four and four, not on mm. the table, but <laughs> I mean, not that maybe far away. Maybe we root for it just so like they that like will put the final nail in the coffin of the Big Ten West. I I don't know. Like uh, UCLA and USC are probably looking at this like do not make this regional. If well. you make the line regional, we are <laughs> you're cutting off California. We're gonna. Yeah. All right, moving on to Minnesota 20, Nebraska 13. Again, another a game uh, completely dominated by the fact that the wind was such a a factor. Minnesota outgains on 300 to 267. Not really uh, much of an offensive showing there, Mm -hmm. but they do fall down uh, 10-0 early, and then it's just all Minnesota the rest of the game. Yeah, exactly. They scored a touchdown and a field goal on their first two drives. Nebraska did 125 total yards. And then their next seven drives, they went scoreless, including six straight three and outs. Um, They gained 267 yards for the whole game. Almost half those yards came on those first two drives. And then almost a quarter of their yards came on a pair of uh, 30 plus yard pass plays in desperation mode when they were like facing third and 10 and fourth and 11 when they were down 20 to 10 uh, late in the fourth quarter. Should be noted that Casey Thompson does not play in this game for Nebraska. <laughs> Chubba Purdy and Logan Smothers split the quarterback snaps. <laughs> Say that again. Yeah. I just don't. 
I don't know how you could possibly win a football game playing Chubba Purdy and Logan Smothers. That I mean, sounds like a vaudeville duo. This was this was in the uh, the Halo Victors preview that like you know if if he can't go then these are the options right now. So yeah, we, they were the, they're really, the names of the book right there. Yeah, and we'll have to keep an eye on the Thompson injury. You know, he kind of hurt his nerve in the in his throwing arm. They actually rule him out of the game on Friday, but of course they played coy up until the kickoff, but. They're not really sure what to do with either one of these backups. They don't really have a game plan for Logan Smothers, so they play <laughs> Chubba Purdy. But he's actually banged up and has been limited in each of the last two weeks in practice. So, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on there. Mickey Joseph said something in the press conference afterwards that he kind of wished they had gone to Logan Smothers earlier in the game. But I don't, I don't think Whipple likes him. So, you know, I don't really know what's going on there. But in advance of the Michigan-Nebraska game next week. Can I bring a couple things up about Nebraska? Sure. Okay. Can I do something controversial and list off their PFF pass-blocking grades <laughs> per, 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 per game in the Big Ten? I, 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 I think their pass-block, like because you either give up a pressure or you don't. So I think the yeah. pass-blocking might be more sensical than the run It block. is, except for screen teams. Teams that screen a oh, lot get yeah. weird numbers. All right, go ahead. Yeah. All right. Here, here are their team pass blocking grades against Power Five opponents. Northwest, and keep in mind, anything below sixty is pretty stinky. Pass block, Northwestern forty four point five, Oklahoma forty three point five, Indiana fifty, Rutgers seven point eight, uh, Purdue thirty seven point two, Illinois twenty three point one, Minnesota fifty five point six. Hey, that that's your best result. Congratulations, you're coming off your best result in a game where you had six straight three and outs and couldn't crack 270 yards. It's mostly coming from their tackles. They're both kind of sieves. They've given up uh, 29 uh, pressures. And wait, do I have this right? 29. I get these mixed up all the time. 29 pressures and 40 hurries, the two tackles over the last four games. Wow. Yeah. All right. So. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, they have this strength in the middle of their defense. They're inside linebackers, Luke Reimer and Nick Heinrich. There's no depth there. Well, there's no depth anywhere on the defense. But anytime one of those two guys has been out this year, it's been a disaster. Heinrich goes out, second half of Northwestern, no dice. They can't stop the Wildcats. Both of them are out against Georgia Southern, and the Sun Belt team puts up 45 points against them. Um, Heinrich was still out against Oklahoma. The Sooners put up 49 and got their whole season turned around. Um, Heinrich is back, but then Reimer was out for Purdue. Purdue smoked him. They're both back last week for Illinois. But then Heinrich goes out, the defense falls apart. Heinrich is now out for the season. So things have just gone bad to worse on that defense when one of those two inside linebackers has been out. They either go with a freshman, Ernest Hausman, who's got a long way to go, or they go with kind of a program guy, Mauga Clements, who, who really hasn't played much until this year. You know, take that for what it's worth. But, you know, that's been a storyline all year, you know, how this defense just goes from bad to worse without one of those guys. And they're going to be without one of them next week and for the rest of the year. Well, uh, looks like Nebraska will try to get Matt Rule, and that's the only thing that matters for them right, right now. I mean, it should it should be a rushing mismatch, right, when yeah. the Wolverines have the ball? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, moving on to two games that were hideously impacted by the weather because it's Iowa versus Purdue and Maryland versus Wisconsin. And guess which teams won those games? Yeah. Iowa 24, Purdue 3 in a game where – uh, not carry on. Caleb Johnson goes for 200 yards rushing, and yeah. Purdue uh, <laughs> does not. 
Aiden O'Connell, <laughs> 20 of 43 for 168 yards and two picks. 19 of his targets go to Charlie Jones, who catches 11 balls, but also throws two picks on those because all he's doing is trying to throw to Charlie Jones. And he might be a pretty good player, but, you know, Iowa is going to catch on to that. So total yards in this are 376 at 255. Mm-hmm. And Purdue's just never in the game. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the passing success rate for Aiden O'Connell was 22%, or Spencer Petras actually flirted with 40%. That's crazy. Um, you talk about Charlie Jones. I thought since the game was pretty much a blowout, it was 17-3 at halftime, and then that running back, you mentioned Caleb Johnson, 75-yarder on the first play from the after the second half, it was over at that point. So then really the only drama was watching Iowa linebacker Jack Campbell constantly pull away Iowa defenders who were trying to pull Charlie Jones up from the field. This happened three <laughs> different times in the game yesterday. Like Cooper DeJean once just moseyed all over and was like, oh, hey, hey. And he's and Jack Campbell's like, we don't talk to that guy. I, mean, <laughs> like I, I was like, he's going to get a personal follow by doing that to his own player maybe because I mean, some of them were. But that was just – that's great to see, you know, some little bit comeuppance. He's, he's had the laugh all year, but head-to-head, Unfortunately, the weather was not in his favor, and that was just a disaster for Purdue, a total disaster. All Purdue, I, I have more sympathy for Purdue for making their offense weather dependent than I do for Ohio State. Yeah. So, I mean, like that, that, that's done well for them, and it's a gamble yeah. worth taking that you're not going to get one of those games right. more than Pur- once Purdue or twice has, a season. Purdue has to run an offense like that you know, to stay competitive and to stay one step ahead of all the teams on their schedule that have more talent. So you know, they have to do that. Yeah. Plus, it's sort of like their tradition, whether you're talking about Joe Tiller basketball and grass or whether you're talking about the, you know, Len Dawson days of the 60s. You know, they've, they've always sort of been in the know, 80s, too. They, they brought the shotgun to college football. They did. <clears throat> yeah. Similar situation, Wisconsin versus Maryland. Wisconsin 23, Maryland 10. Both teams have 77 yards passing. Wow. So when Talia Tungavailoa is putting up 1.6 yards per pass, Maryland is not going to win a football game. Total yards are 355 to 189. And just, I mean, this is another team that is just built around the pass. And if they can't do yeah. it, then game over. Yeah. Yeah. They had a, Maryland had a touchdown drive late in the fourth quarter when it was 23 to three. And if you take out Talia's yardage, passing and throwing on that drive, he only averaged 1.4 yards per dropback or run throughout the game yesterday. Maryland had eight of their 11 drives end in a three and out or worse. Can't say much more about that, you know? I mean, no. And, you know, Wisconsin's offense wasn't much better, but, you know, they had a couple drives where they were able to just run Braylon Allen down Maryland's throat. Uh, they also popped Isaac Garendo off for an 83 yard touchdown run. And, you know, Wisconsin finally got some uh, wide receivers going in the running attack. You know, their, their jet sweep has always been sort of a dangerous um, play for them when they're when they're going. And Skylar Bell had uh, three carries for over 50 yards. And and that was more than enough offense in this game you know, to get it done. Yeah, and these guys, I mean, these two games, it's just if it was last week, I think both of these are actually competitive games. But, you know, sometimes you get yeah. Midwested if you're a passing offense. Now – you know, Purdue's three and three. Iowa's three and three. Wisconsin's three and three. Minnesota's three and three. Illinois is four and two. The yeah. Big Ten West is Big Ten West. Well, open. Illinois, Illinois there, is still in the driver's seat. Who's Illinois' they, third game left? They have Michigan. They have Northwestern. Who's their other game? Well, they play Purdue. It's the big Purdue game this weekend. Okay, so so that matters. That's that's the one. Then they will count. This is this is this is the game. Um, 
It's in Illinois. Illinois opened it as a four and a half point favorite, but by the time we got onto this podcast, it had already been bet up to six. Um, if Illinois wins the game, all they have to do is beat Northwestern in the finale, and they'll go to Indianapolis. They, they could lose to Michigan fifty-five to nothing, and it won't it won't matter. But if Purdue wins this game, if Purdue wins this game, guys, <laughs> then the winner of this weekend's Wisconsin Iowa game it's, is in the driver's would seat. control their own. Fate. Oh no! Michigan then beats Illinois. Oh God! I know. Uh, and when you when you map it out that way, Purdue beats Illinois. Iowa Wisconsin winner laying in wait. Michigan beats Illinois. Then all of a sudden that Wisconsin Iowa winner can get to Indy. I if Iowa gets back to Indy this year, <laughs> it's just so wrong. Who's going to be more upset? Everybody who's not an Iowa fan or Iowa fans. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The Kirk, wait, wait, the Kirk Ferris the, press the, conference oh my will God. be legendary. He will, oh, no. he will have the <laughs> biggest shit-eating grin. <laughs> Look what my boy did. Look what my boy did. He's a champion. He's a division champion. It's not Back nepotism. We won the West last year. Baby. We won the West this year. Who, you t- who, who do you think knows more about football? <laughs> Would that would that make Spencer Petras the all-time winningest quarterback oh, in Big Ten West history? Oh my God, my boy this, did it! This division's got my go. boy. I can be proud of him. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> what if this results in a Wisconsin Ohio State? I, I don't know what I'm talking. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to even think it. Oh, I want Illinois to. I want Illinois to win because I don't want them coming into Michigan Stadium desperate. I want them exactly in that mode of like, oh, we'll see you in the championship, man. <laughs> like we don't want. We don't care about this game. Yeah. We're saving yeah. it all for Indy. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if if they beat, I mean, I'm sorry, if they lose to Purdue, you know, technically they still quote unquote control their own fate, but they would have to beat Michigan and Ann Arbor to to keep controlling their own fate. And you're right, that all of a sudden becomes a kitchen sink game. Yeah. For inst- instead of a, instead of a like let's just chill back we instead of a house money game. game. Yeah. 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 It really changes the mindset. Yeah, Michigan State kind of screwed us too because this was an opportunity to get like a top ten win in the books if the if Michigan beat Illinois with. With no more losses. Yeah, it is weird how that works where it's like, you know, we play both these teams, but uh-huh. we want we want Illinois to be 10-2 and two at the end of the year when our overall strength of schedule is identical. So we can point at them and be like, look, they have the same yeah. record as Alabama. I mean, this is the <laughs> same thing. <laughs> this is why, like, I think the committee really needs to look at things like strength of record and stuff like that instead of just, like, eyeballing it because – those kind of things don't make any sense. There's one more game. It's Penn State 45, Indiana 14. I don't think we have to say anything more about that. No. Great. No. Somehow, <laughs> somehow Penn State had a 30% defensive havoc rate. I, I, I've i seen that offensive line. That doesn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah. I mean, I, I counted it up. They had 16 tackles for loss. Whoa. 12 different guys chipped in for the Penn State team. That was brutal. Wow. What, how, how did the West Texas A&M guy do in PFF? Uh, well, I'm gonna I, guess. I didn't he, have the heart to look that up. I'm gonna guess he scored a 62 as a run blocker because that's what they all. Do. I, I appreciate this guy only because now I know a West Texas A&M exists. Yeah, I was like, yeah, like I the, think, I think, th- I think they played a West Texas A&M in the movie Unnecessary Roughness. I thought that was North Texas. No, the Texas team. State is the Texas. Yeah, is the is the Scott Bakula team, right? And I think one of the teams they play might have been called like West Texas A and M. I don't know. It's, it could it, be. Yeah, 
I haven't watched that you're movie just, in a, like, a, a you're, while. You're mishmash. That's like an NCAA created. That, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> I got news for you. I don't think anybody on Indiana's defensive line, especially the Parker Hannah, the kid from West Texas, could even block Sinbad right now. So, oh, you know, like, Sinbad starred in that movie. Yes, we're doing we're doing un- yeah. unnecessary roughness. Uh, Do you mean like Sinbad from the movie, or like Sinbad now? Either way, okay. you see that offensive line. You said you saw. Them. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jamie. We'll it's talk to you. Bad, it's been another bad year for for Indiana. Luckily, we have our basketball team, which is in no way overrated at all. <laughs> Ready to go. Number Ready one of the Big Ten. Number one of the Big Ten. Yeah. All right. Thank you for doing this again, Jamie. We'll talk to you next week. No problem. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak. Sorry, I'm not going to do it. Do what? I was going to sing again. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs>